0: Dave Fanning on 2FM. Now, in the 1990s, everyone was sceptical of this new thing called the Internet. Fast forward 30 years and it's become an integral part, of course, of our everyday lives. Currently, there's a lot of scepticism around the Metaverse, an immersive Internet that Mark Zuckerberg has bet his reputation on. So the question is, could the Metaverse really be the Internet of the future? Early adapters would say yes, of course, but what exactly is it like to exist and live in the Metaverse? Well, freelance reporter Io Dodds spent a week seeing what life in the metaverse might be like and she's here now to tell us all about it so Io you're very welcome to the programme for context and I hope this doesn't mean a a two hour answer because it might what exactly is the metaverse and how does it actually work
1: hey Dave thanks very much for having me on that is a question that can take a long time to answer I'm going to try and answer it a bit more quickly I think fundamentally uh, the metaverse is a dream it's a a fiction it's an old science fiction concept uh, that today's Silicon Valley executives in many cases read about when they were children or young adults uh, in science fiction novels. And now they believe they're actually in a position to make it reality. So in the last few years, it's become one of Silicon Valley's biggest obsessions. And the dream is that there will be a sort of next stage of evolution for the internet, uh, which is centered around virtual spaces and virtual worlds instead of like a flat 2D website. Very often people think this would be accessed through virtual reality or VR uh, and augmented reality or AR. Uh, If you've ever uh, seen the movie or read the book Ready Player One, uh, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what a lot of people imagine by the metaverse. So instead of buying something on this flat web page that Amazon has and then having a Zoom call uh, with your friend, you might sort of put on your virtual avatar, go and wander and browse through a virtual Amazon shop as if you were somewhere in person, and then go and meet your friend for like a virtual mini golf or, you know, in a virtual bar or whatever, right? Even though you might be in different countries or very far away from each other. Uh, crucially the concept of the metaverse is of something that's like it's bigger than any one virtual world it's like a system that connects all and, and sort of unifies all of these smaller worlds much as the internet now like connects and unifies millions of different websites it is very important to say finally this idea of the metaverse does not exist uh there are some good reasons to think it will never exist uh, and the word metaverse has become like such a marketing buzzword and uh, there are so many things calling themselves metaverses which are basically Online video games, which we've had for quite a long time, that uh, you have to be a bit skeptical of some of the metaverse hype. But we do have a lot of the building blocks ready and like what the things that would become that could become a metaverse. Uh, and God knows big tech is pouring a lot of money into this. So, you know, we, we don't know exactly what could happen. But even if it never evolved into what people hope, what they dream it could, uh, there are some really interesting technologies and ideas that are part of. that are under this like metaverse umbrella that could be really Mm. genuinely world-changing.
0: Okay, so the building blocks themselves are there and therefore the building blocks themselves are very important. So the emerging digital frontier, whether it is or is not really the future of tech, there's an awful lot of stuff there that is just fascinating. It is um, Zuckerberg's mission to bring the metaverse to life. So a lot of people are going to listen to Mark Zuckerberg. You say Silicon Valley, it has got, if you like, metaverse fever. And you mentioned money there. There's some figure that you have in your article saying 57 billion in 2021. Um, The... 125 billion in the first five months of 22. And then the investment bank, City, predicts that the metaverse could be worth up to 13 trillion by 2030, which is only seven years away now. And I would have thought 13 trillion is about as much money as could possibly be on Earth in one single go. So you say it's not there yet and it's not real. So what is the next stage to make it real?
1: Yeah, I think that the thing that would have to work. I think, to actually make this make sense, make there be a big, like, unified system, um, is the I suppose the connections in the back end between all these different systems. And commercial incentives would have to change. This is the thing, like, right now, there isn't really a big incentive uh, for uh, Facebook, now known as Meta, uh, because of the metaverse. There's not really a big incentive for Meta's virtual worlds and for everybody else's virtual worlds to connect together very well. We currently have a bunch of different competing systems. There isn't very much, um, kind of, Connection happening between them. What may happen is that one of these companies may win and their way of connecting different worlds together becomes the norm. The other thing would be that people start to widely want to use VR um, really often, and a lot of people, you know, and people own VR headsets like they don't a smartphone. I think there are a lot of reasons to think that that wouldn't happen. Uh, VR is a very totalizing technology. Notably, like, you know, today if you want to watch a film, you used to have to go into a cinema, sit in the dark, and there's a giant screen. Then you got TV in your house. So now it's a bit of a smaller screen. Then you get a computer, then you get a phone. And now a lot of people watch a whole movie on a tablet or a phone. So the trend has not been towards actually more immersive technology. It's been towards smaller screens and, like, uh, less immersive technology. Plus, uh, actually, does everybody want to check their emails in virtual space, right? Maybe people just want to use a screen. People still use notebooks on paper, and with a pen, to make to-do lists, or shopping lists, or whatever it might yeah. be. We use a lot of different levels of technology, some of which are thousands of years old, right? I think the bigger thing that would um, that could be the biggest world-changing thing within the umbrella of the metaverse, to me, is augmented reality. And, you know, whereas with VR, uh, virtual reality, you put on a headset that kind of totally takes over your vision, and you're immersed in this entirely virtual world. With AR, it's kind of much lighter goggles, or supposed to be, they're not really there yet, that overlay a bunch of images and elements and digital objects onto your view of the real world. And that is like, if you can imagine the advantages of literally, instead of having to look down at your phone to navigate to an unfamiliar place in an unfamiliar city and looking at your map apps, you just see directions ahead of you or being able to be in a bar and like, I don't know, see who in this bar is interested in like, dating or flirting or whatnot, right? Or be at an event and like, be able to see people's names floating above their heads Mm. and be like, oh, I already know who that is. Um, These are quite intensely useful things. And mainly the thing that would need to change to get there, I think, is to have an augmented reality headset that is as intuitive to people, is as versatile, works as well, as something like the iPhone, right? Which was transformative and smartphones were already becoming a big thing the iPhone just hit the market like a bomb and was like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like, and totally changed how people think of smartphones and therefore changed you know, how widely adopted they were gonna be. AR okay, well- headsets are not at that point yet. If they get to that point, I think things could start to change quite quickly.
0: Okay, well, we are then talking about an embodied internet where instead of just viewing content, you're actually in it. And you say VR is central to it, maybe AR less so. But I mean, you know, the the metaverse, as you said earlier, it doesn't exist. Many believe it never will. And the building blocks are already in place. Now, so people heavily into gaming... Would you say people into gaming and have been maybe for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, have they got an advantage in terms of understanding or in terms of seeing where all these building blocks might kind of result in something real?
1: I think so. Definitely. uh, That's part of why I was asked to write the article. My editor at Telegraph was like, hey, you play a lot of video games. Like, I feel like you could actually um, get across this stuff and understand it and kind of explore it. Uh, I will say, though, I met a lot of people during my uh, longer than a week that I spent in the Metaverse. Basically, I spent, you know, uh, I was going into various VR uh, applications and virtual worlds, uh, you know, a lot of days for like a month. And I kind of picked seven days that were like where something actually interesting happened and, you know, picked that out as like the week. Uh, But I met a lot of people, did a lot of things, shopping, worshipping, going to church. um, And a lot of the people I met were not big video games people. A lot of the people I met actually were not even necessarily big internet people. In many cases, something had happened in their life. Sometimes it was just the pandemic, sometimes it was chronic illness, disability, whatever it might be, that made it attractive to them to put on a virtual reality headset and just be in this virtual space for long periods of time. And often that was like their first really substantial engagement or like absorption in technology. And I think that is one thing that is, VR is still quite difficult to use and quite unintuitive like, to set up. But once you are in there and you kind of understand the controls, very often you kind of forget that you're wearing a VI hel- helmet. You feel like you are in an actual place. And so while I think that people who are used to video games, will kind of take to these technologies quicker, it's by no means the case that only those people are able to find value in it.
0: You know, you make it sound like in some ways that a lot of the people you met are trying to live vicariously through a different way of living in their own real life, almost as an escape.
1: Well, maybe so. I actually wouldn't say that. No, I wouldn't say that at all. And I wouldn't say it's vicarious. I asked, you know, everybody that I spent any degree of time with, that I talked to um, at any length in these various virtual worlds, some of which were virtual reality, some of which were not virtual reality, but had a much more um, developed like economy. Mm. Uh, And everybody I spoke to for a while, I asked them the same question. Can you live? here can you spend your whole life there and you know what everybody actually said basically yes with providers because everybody said well obviously you have a physical body and you have to go to the toilet and you have to eat yeah. you have to sleep and you can't do those things in the metaverse but can you get all of your like more high level needs met can sure. you find community connection love recreation can you make a living there yeah very often the answer is yes and so most people i talk to are like it's not a vicarious life Okay. It's not
0: All right, well it's then about, you, you decided to spend the week or even longer in the metaverse. Uh, so let's just go through your week because you go through day one, two, three, four, five, six, et cetera. Meditation, day one, um, the Buddhist meditation class. Now, was that a choice? Is you said, oh, I think I'll try this one for the first day.
1: It was. I thought it would be a really interesting. It wasn't in the first day. That's just like the first day that I happened to start using VR. And I was like, oh, I think I can make this uh, this regular Buddhist meditation class, which is listed online. Let's give it a go. And I thought it would be a very interesting thing because it's like, I don't know, it's not something that you necessarily expect to be a very big uh, deal in, in a virtual space. Like I'm going to be conscious of my own body. I'm going to be conscious of my own existence. I'm going to notice things that, you know, meditation very often is about. Like I'm going to notice things about my body. So what would this be like to do this in this out of body experience?
0: And what about like, you know, the the illusion of being physically there in the temple, is it as powerful as you would ever wish it should be?
1: Hmm. No, I think it can be improved. Um and part of that is, you know, depends on the specific service, like sometimes the graphics are not very good or the avatars may not be animated very well, but it's a pretty intense Feeling Uh, In in the virtual reality industry, people refer to this as presence. It's very real, it's very compelling. And I think it is a part of why people have been able to build lives where they spend a lot of time, a lot of their deepest friendships and relationships and communities are in virtual reality because it is possible, it's actually easy to forget that you're in there, even if everything's weird, even if you're hanging out in like a kind of poorly made restaurant uh, with a bunch of people who are robots and giant rats and things it's it's you still just are kind of like hmm yes this is reality your brain uh, a bunch of your like unconscious brain that just orients you in space and moves your body around is like yes. Yeah.
0: This is real. I accept. That. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like would you have had worries? I mean, I know d- on day 2 you're talking about the cinema, you felt there were too many young people, uh, you know, parents maybe can lock certain apps but that wasn't necessarily happening. And some people will be plugging in 24 hours a day, drawn if you like to the thrill of nobody knowing who you are. There's a lot of sexual harassment and maybe you know, alcoholism and all. That. Like there's a lot of stuff that you could do without, isn't there?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are all kinds of problems I can see. Uh, sexual harassment and sexual abuse is certainly one. That is something that goes back to the earliest days of the Internet. There is an essay yeah. from the year 1993 called A Rape in Cyberspace, which is about what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, but with VR, with, when you f- are feeling physically present in this situation, of course, that can be potentially more troublesome. There certainly is a big problem with underage users. Uh, the virtual reality makers and the app makers are all seem to be struggling to really police uh, children being in this place, and I think that because VR is still quite like fringe, it's still quite rare for people to actually own a VR headset. We're not really yet seeing a sense in society that like this could be a a, a technology that lends itself to compulsive use, even to addiction. Yeah. But I can easily see that happening, um, especially with children and young people, over the next ten years. It is very compelling it's very compulsive there's a kind of intoxicating that's the word for it it is intoxicating and having community in those spaces i mean can you imagine if you're you're in a little overpriced apartment in some big city and you don't get out very much for various reasons maybe you're socially anxious maybe physically disabled whatever it may be you can go outside your apartment and it really made me feel like i was outside you know i was like sometimes i try to take a walk outside every day but sometimes i don't manage it when i was in vr i felt like i got outside of my apartment yeah
0: and to go so, back to something i said earlier yeah. on many are drawn to the thrill of nobody knowing who you are that really helps sometimes
1: definitely i think you know i'd say it's sometimes it's genuinely like nobody knowing who you are for a lot of people it's the thrill of being able to create a new identity yeah. that is like really completely your own people aren't able to judge you based on what you look like um or what your presence is in the physical space because they don't know they're not able to judge you yeah, on the and base.
0: also like you mentioned uh, Ready Player One earlier on and the more I think about that movie which is quite an old movie now at this stage of the game the more I realise exactly what you're talking about it is the real world regardless of the fact that it's not the world we're now sort of in talking right now let's just go to uh, the speed dating night which was hey it's Saturday night and I'm going VR speed dating um, <laughs> you felt you needed a better avatar was that because you were slightly disappointed with the fact that oh look what I picked I picked a cartoon of myself look what other people picked
1: Mm, definitely. Some people have some really nice, really interesting avatars. I think actually for me it was just like, you know, in some spaces I had picked an avatar that like, initially I picked an avatar that didn't actually look like me. I, I like made the one that looked like me using a, a sort of third party program that wasn't very complicated to use in order to do the speed dating. Previously I'd just been like, I'm going to, um, I'm going to find an avatar that is a kind of like cartoon that feels right for me but it doesn't really look like me. And then for speed dating I was like, I don't know, feels like I should represent myself in some way. Uh, funnily enough, it turned out nobody else was doing this. I was having speed dating matchups with, yeah, like giant robots or sort of anime girls or, you know, animal people or whatever, right? There was actually nobody, nobody else was really doing like, oh, hello, here is here is me, here is my vibe, here is kind of what I look like. It was a very strange experience, the speed dating, and it was one part of the whole thing that didn't really work for me, um, right. which was interesting because, you know, people absolutely are forming... It was very visible and clear and in the communities that I spent time in, the people that I spoke to, you know, this VR church, this is a really important place for some people. This is the center of some people's community. Um, And they're having deep relationships and there are romances. There are parts of the VR community where it's like, oh, everybody's always like getting together in romances and then breaking up and there's constant romantic drama, right? That's a big deal. And the thing about speed dating, I think, in VR is that it's just not yet at the point where you can possibly judge someone else's, uh, you can't be physically attracted to someone in VR, right? Because Mm. you would have to be physically attracted to like a slightly weirdly animated or cartoonish avatar. And you're not having that sense of like physical chemistry, which you have when you're in the same space as someone. I think if you fall in love with with someone in VR, it's like if you fall in love with someone uh, on any other place in the internet as people have been doing for 20 years as I have done in the past which is you fall in love with them as a person and through communicating with them. Of course,
0: yeah, yeah. Well look, just in terms of the other days I just want to mention one because you do talk about night, nightlife and working etc. Shopping, was that any good, Io?
1: Oh, yeah. I actually was pretty decent. A lot of the shopping, so a lot of shopping I did in uh, a game called Second Life or a virtual world called Second Life which is interesting because it is the closest thing that we have to like this vision of the metaverse from something like Ready Player One. It isn't really virtual reality. Um, There is a virtual reality uh, way of doing it, I think, but it's, it's for most people, it's just like looks like a video game on the screen. And it's existed for about 20 years now. It is actually quite old. It is very mature. It had a massive like publicity surge and a kind of big like moment where everybody's like, oh shit, this is the future of everything Mm. Uh, back in the noughties. And then it wasn't the future of everything. And it kind of, the publicity died away and the community kept on going. that was where I did most of the shopping because Second Life is a place where there's a genuinely robust like economic system. There's a virtual currency. There's like protection sort of for your products. If you make something in Second Life, like people can't just steal it without buying you buying it from you. Uh, and so, all the shopping was kind of shaped by what that the world is like, right. it's, like it's quite complex and unintuitive so and like. all
0: of this what we're talking about was it shaped in any way at all or certainly accelerated by the sort of experiences we had during the pandemic in other words like you know if this is the future or not and many believe it would never will be many believe the metaverse already basically exists you mentioned the building blocks earlier on and that they'll be at the very least the smartphones of tomorrow and all the rest I would get the impression that this is the future in terms of your experience
1: Hmm. I think it's a future. I think it's part yeah. of the future. Yeah. I just don't see a world where like, when any, whenever anybody wants to do any work or socializing or anything on a computer, uh, they totally block out the waking world and go into a virtual world and do it in a 3D space. I don't think that's actually a very useful uh, like, interface paradigm for a lot of stuff that you want to do with computers. Yeah. But I do think that as the technology gets a bit better, a bit more intuitive, lighter on your head, the headsets are still quite heavy, I think it will become probably quite an important point. And you think if we, if, if VR had been quite popular when we had the pandemic, we wouldn't just have been on Zoom calls. We probably would have been, as some people in fact were, hanging out with each other, yeah. sort of almost physically, playing games together, um, hanging out in bars, like playing tennis or whatnot, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's it, it's quite compelling. And VR is definitely something that I plan to keep on using because it's like, oh yeah, I can actually hang out with my friends who are far away in a way that is really much more immediate and kind of rich yeah. than a Zoom call or a text
0: chat, you know? Sure, of course. Okay, well then finally, well, by the way, we're talking to Io Dodds as in freelance reporter Io Dodds who spent a week and more in the metaverse. So I have to ask, as a summing up in as short as possible way, what did you learn from the experience?
1: Mm, that's a very good question. I was surprised by the, the life and the vitality of these scenes. It was very kind of anarchic and... New social rules, etiquette, technology, it's all evolving rapidly. It is poorly monetized and it's poorly regulated. It reminds me a lot of the internet that entranced me when I was a child, yeah. uh, which was, in, you know, the early noughties. And it was this weird, slightly dangerous, but very fascinating place. Something is happening uh, in VR, in this broad umbrella of the metaverse. Something is happening that is valuable to people and that is intoxicating to people. And I don't think any of us really know what it is yet and i think it is going to grow and i think the question is going to become who controls it and who kind of sets it it's sets it up and who sets its shape and who does that benefit we are living now in an internet that was built by and for big companies like facebook and meta who and what and why will the metaverse be bought we built for right like what will it be like and that's still all up in the air and individuals and governments and companies have a chance to shape that that chance may erode quickly Um, I guess that was my biggest sense it's like something is happening here that is not going to go away uh, and it may be kind of upon us before we know it
0: Something is happening here that's not going to go away that's probably the most important point in terms of yeah so let's deal with it Uh, IO it's been a real pleasure thank you so much indeed for talking with us on the programme today
1: Thank you so much been a pleasure Dave Fanning on 2FM. 2FM